You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 113, covering The Outcast and Cause and Effect, with Amanda Smith. Hi, friends. Hello, everybody. We're here, and uh, my wife is here. I sure am. <laughs> Boy, am I ever. Say hello, yeah. Amanda. Hello, Amanda. <sighs> that, was some, that was some fine humor. Uh, say hello, Keiko. <laughs> She's the best one. Yeah. So we're well, now so we know weird. you're lying. <laughs> Have you been replaced by some kind of robot duplicate? Sure. Or Someone sick? stepforded your wife, Al. Oh, well. But wouldn't that make me be nice to people and, like, bake things? Oh, wow. That There's a weird reality. That that hasn't happened. Yeah. This is indeed a most disturbing universe. <laughs> we don't want that. <laughs> well, I mean, I do, but uh, I've given up all hope of that. How about that? Yeah, that's pretty unlikely. Should have just paid for a maid. um so with something in mind i don't have to do any episodes this week i can just sit back put my feet up and wait for my wife to bake me something (laughs) it's gonna be a long wait three years later al was a skeleton yeah Yeah. well you do love people turning into skeletons (laughs) that's what happens you die and then you turn into a skeleton Mm -hmm. so the first one is one that amanda has been bitching about for i don't know 20 years yep so why don't you tell us all about the outcast? So the Enterprise is called out to solve a mystery that they're ill-suited to investigate. A shuttlecraft has gone missing. Mr. Worf is immediately stripped of rank and confined to his quarters. No, though, seriously. We open up on Picard. Ah! Picard shot from a weird angle. The directing this whole episode's a little off. We get tight shots of people crawling around on the ground and shots framed around Riker's batch. I guess that's not that unusual. At this point in the series, uh, at this point the series had kind of fallen into a house style, and it was nice to see things a little off kilter. Robert Shearer directed Measure a Man too, and I like what he gets up to. Oh, right. I suppose you two would like me to synopsize. Eh. Don't tell me how to do it. it sickens me. Um, so we're in Janai territory, and they have some kind of space hole that's eating their probes and shuttles. But who cares about that? These aliens don't have wangs. Well, they're androgynous anyways, and since all the speaking actors are women, we'll go with wanglessness. Naturally, when Soren, a Janai pilot, realizes that Wang needs to be chunged to her people, she comes to Riker. (laughs) My my whole uh, there are no gay people in Star Trek uh, rant aside, and you'll be hearing lots more about that later. This is a powerful story. Soren explains about how that her people evolved to be genderless, and that and they see leaning towards one gender or another as being atavistic and perverse. Despite this, she identifies herself as female and hides it. Allegory alert! She admits that she's attracted to Riker and is lobotomized for her trouble. Yep. That's it? That's how you wrap that up? Yep. You couldn't have even said lobotomized for her trouble? Nope. Uh, There would be no trouble at all. Amanda does not play by your rules. I'm just going to start a good thing, bad thing, and all over the place. I'll tell you my ones for the next episode. Fine, do it. put your Fine. good thing for this episode in the middle of my synopsis. <laughs> Shut up, Matt. No time for you. See, my usual format is to, after your summary, make a clever comment about it. But now, fuck it. Do your good <laughs> just, thing. Just do, just it. do everything. Well, now I'm not going to. Fine. Matt, how about you? Well, the ending of this one makes me kind of sad. Mm-hmm. Felt really bad for poor lobotomized Soren, whose only crime was wanting to love Bill's amazing beard, something well, that that's... her people never evolved. And who can blame her? Here. Whatever. 
It's not often a doomed romance makes me feel anything other than disdain, but sa- Riker's sad little "I love you" hurt my man heart. Yeah, it was it was pretty. Um, and I thought it was creepy the way she played it with like her sort of too big smile. Yep. Like I'm fine now. Everything's great. Everything's I'm happy. fine, and there's nothing he can do. He just has to leave her there. Yeah, it's it's pretty terrible. And it was a bit Stepford wifey. Mm. Yeah, that planet's creepy. It is. Everyone looks the same. Everyone yep. sort of dresses the same and has the same haircut, but not in that cool Vulcan way. No. But the the really sad thing is that she probably will be happier not having to like. Sure. Yeah. Well, the, be different and hide herself, and that's so sad. They successfully Look, there's nothing in the, the world. There's nothing in the world happier than a person who doesn't need to think about stuff anymore. No, it was it was very sad. Nice sort of tragic ending too. I like how dark this one went. Yeah. It's it's. She gives this big impassioned speech, and she's like, "Yes, we are different, but we're the same." And then, we like that's the act break, yeah. and we come back, and they're like, "Yeah, that was a great speech." Well, You're that, still was, getting that sure was a great, a great thing you just said, crazy person. Off you yeah. go to prison. <laughs> Off with your head. <laughs> yep. Which I I really liked. I you know because I like me some bleak and darkness, and I liked yeah. it. You can't always fix something with an impassioned speech. I mean, Picard can. Yeah, they didn't Honestly, this episode down. wouldn't have worked if she just changed their minds overnight. That doesn't make any right. sense. No. But that is the fallback Star Trek thing. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, here's my moral stance, which is correct. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, well, yes, you have won us over. And one clap leads to many claps. And Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Picard was sort of hovering around the edges of this whole episode. Yeah, he was. Like, Holding they, his um, head in. They bring some guys up to um, upstairs to the sick bay, and Picard's just standing there. Yep, like in the door frame. Yeah. Hey, anything I can do to help, guys? Is, just, am I uh, in this episode? Just checking in. Hello. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. I'm uh, Captain Picard. <laughs> he's always saying that. He is. That's How his you know? catchphrase. Um, and so, since we're doing things out of horrible order, why don't I get to my bad thing? Yeah, right, say your fine. bad thing. Fine. Uh, unfortunately, my bad thing is Riker. Uh, I can't think of this being done a lot in Next Gen prior to this point, but I know it will eventually become a Trek cliche. He risks his entire career to abduct a person who was in custody on their own planet, per their own planet's laws. How many times do we have to go over this? Stop imposing your beliefs on other cultures. This is how diplomatic incidents get started. You should know better. And on a character level, sure, he was into Soren. Their relationship developed naturally over the course of the episode, and it didn't feel like one of Deanna's I've fallen in love after 22 minutes deals, but I don't buy that he'd throw away his career for anyone he's only known for, what, a month? It just, it really surprised me that he was willing to go that far so quickly. I, I, I normally agree with you on the risking your, on the, uh, risking your life to impose your beliefs on another culture, but, like, this isn't like Worf wanting to commit suicide. They, like, have taken her against her will for stupid reasons. Yeah, but it's an internal government thing. That's their law. It and is, and I, it is, and I get, I get that, but I also, I also believe I could like I could see Bill doing this in this uh, case. But you're not supposed to do you're not supposed to go prime into directive. you're not supposed yeah. to, but you no, know No prime directive doesn't human... apply, but it's the same kind of thing. The card but, says you know, human equation. Uh, take your human <laughs> equation and get out. <laughs> also, Worf um oh, just yeah. immediately decides he's going to Oh, you're going on an adventure? How about me? I'll I'll go. I'll go on the adventure. I'm and going it's... on the justification that his spine has finally started working right and he wants to <laughs> test it out. Give it a little workout. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Take a for a little run around the planet. I, I can kick these people's ass. <laughs> they're they're easy. I'll start easy. Yeah. And work my way up. No yeah. Skeletor, guys. Right. <laughs> well, the, all the holodecks have been booked up by Barkley for the next two months. <laughs> so like, well, I guess I got to go down to a planet somewhere. 
Now who now, will I fight? It just it feels like Riker knows better. Even if he's in love, which fine. We he I don't think we've seen him fall in love before except with a video game. <laughs> and I don't think ever again. So I buy that this is a big deal for him. Yeah. But I don't know. You don't interfere with the culture and it's like you can't just sweep in and say, I think your laws are stupid, I'm going to disregard them. That's not how it works. Like, yes, their laws are stupid from where we sit, but that's but that's what the Cardassians do. The Cardassians go in and say your laws are stupid, do things our way. Those are the bad guys. The right. good guys aren't allowed to do that. Hey, right. they were only doing it to help the Bajoran people. Yes. They were only following orders. <laughs> yes. Of course. I but now that that bugged me. And it wasn't I remembered this episode being him throwing his badge down and going down there and Picard being mad. And it wasn't like that at all. Picard, in fact, gives him a little wink wink, like, well, officially you Look, can't I do can't anything. tell you what to do. And then I wasn't sure if the, I was reading that into it or what, but then at the end of the episode, he was like, uh, uh, so uh, are we done here? Because we could stick around if we're not if done not here. Done. We could retrofit some things. Yeah. And and Riker gives that very sad, we're done. And it was really just, I mean, if anything, that was a dramatic way to set up Riker saying, uh, no, I lose. Let's yeah. go. And he did lose. It was rough. Yeah. It was a rough episode. It was. Yeah. Um, and that takes me to my good thing, mm -hmm. actually. Which is, well, can I say can I say Riker again? Yes. I keep saying this over and over again. I keep saying how great an actor Frakes is, but he is. I seriously think he's underregarded as one of this ensemble's strongest actors. It, it, there's this subtle way he walks the line with Soren. He openly discusses all the stuff that Soren is curious about. And he never pushes himself on Soren, but instead he waits for Soren to make the first move. Also, he has the same problem I do with the personal pronouns and just using her name over and over again. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the whole allegory would have been ruined if the target of her affections had given the slightest appearance of trying to coerce her. But Riker, in the writing, but mostly in the acting, isn't about that. Like, if if it was Riker doing, you know, the, hey, why don't you get with me? Then it would have been like, well, it's not of her own free will. It's obvious that she's being seduced into yeah. this thing. But no, it was all about her, and he was just sitting back and waiting and saying, yeah, I'm into this too, fine. Yeah. He always kept, and the blocking was really good, he always kept a clear line yeah. between them where he was close enough, he showed interest and he leaned forward, but he always left that that last couple of inches for her to cross. Yeah, exactly. And even when they kiss, he turns to her and waits for her to lean in, which is, I think, a nice touch because it's... He's like, here you go, here's your opportunity, but I'm still not going to cross your line because I know how your people are. Also, that was a way better kiss than we normally get in Star oh, Trek. It was, it was really on, passionate, yeah, like... Full-on open mouth, like, not a stage kiss at all. No. And normally, the, the kisses in Star Trek can be a little sort of, like... Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, uh, delicate? Yeah. I bought the passion between them. Yeah. And I bought the tenuous, scary, sort of forbidden passion of it, which mm -hmm. is hard to pull off in this kind of show. Yeah, it, it is. Normally it's just Wesley being told not to, and then he and doesn't. Then not, yeah. <laughs> okay, I guess I won't. <laughs> but so Riker, much for love. Oh well, I'll try a different experiment, I guess. <laughs> oh, Wesley. Will you ever learn? Well, we'll find out next week if he'll ever learn, and the answer is no. <laughs> Spoilers, I guess. Mm -hmm. Try to work yourself out of that one in your summary flonk. <laughs> um, I, no, but I just I think I don't I don't know why I expect Frakes to not be as good as he is because he's what? the bland white guy and he's the guy in the show who are normally like. Neh. I mean, well, yeah. like we, you've got a crew full of like really fascinating guys and he's 
should be right at the bottom of that. There's nothing. He sort should be of the unique. Tom Paris of the show. Yeah. He's like, Neh. well, and really, the character he originally was meant to be is Decker in the in the uh, motion picture, and Decker was so the king boring. of the bland white guys. <laughs> yeah, he was the wallpaper that Kirk says, "I'm taking over." And okay, no, okay. Uh, all right, no, stop, come back, <laughs> stop, <Yeah>. don't, police. <laughs> and it was, uh, it's just nice to see him continuously step forward as an actor and say, wow, he might be the next one after Patrick Stewart. Like mm-hmm. as far as talent goes, he's just so good. And he's got a lot more range than some of the, some of the other guys are really good at one thing or another yeah. thing, but he's got real well, he's good really range. good at the charm at the sort of charming the ladies. But in this one, there's a weird sort of, you know, cultural deference and that sort of thing. I love how curious they both are about each other's mm-hmm. cultures. That's a thing I think would happen more with aliens than we usually see. And it makes so much sense because they're so drastically different. But you don't see that a lot when you're meeting a new race. It's not, what, what about this? How, how is the, you know, how they're just do you, sort of... How yeah. do you, and everyone wants to know how aliens have sex. Of course we're curious. Yeah. See, and I, I get like this with people I know, like, in, you know, here on Earth, where we live, on our planet. <laughs> do we? No, I, that I, place. Yeah. When I meet mm. people from another place, I always feel like I'm being racist, but I'm like, Really? You're from India. Like you... I do this to I do this to Vishal all the time, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm really worried he's going to think I'm a racist. But it's like, no. What What's it like where you're from? What do, What do you do with it? I mean, even the Gavs. Yeah. What What is England like? What do you do? What do you call this? I'm just I'm so fascinated by what the is differences. What bangers and well, mash? He's yes. been doing a sketch about. Oh, that's I'm true. curious about the differences for the last what three, yeah, three years, years something yep. like that. That's true. But that's that's just the way I am. I'm sort of inquisitive, and I like that these two are like that as well. It's kind of cool. Well, what do, what do you do? What do you, well, we inseminate a husk, obviously. <laughs> oh, that's hot. <laughs> hot husk inseminating action. <laughs> that's actually kind of my good thing. Um, okay. I, oh, are uh, we doing that now? Yeah, we're going to do my good thing because it's my turn. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um, she wants me to shut up. That's cute. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a lot of snappy dialogue about sex and gender, but it's not gross. Like in early next gen, the sex kind of oh yeah, we pointed that out a lot in like justice and, like, and yeah. the naked now. Ugh, yeah. And it's not that I don't like sex in TV because I like True Blood, which is just a bunch of yeah, monsters shows, having sex with each other. That show's meant to be trashy. This show's meant to be classy with some sex, mm-hmm. and so it can be a little grown up, which is yeah. good. But ugh, sometimes when they do sex, it just skeeves me out. It's kind of like gross and. Ugh. Well, I file that sort of thing away under just TV. Yeah. TV is clumsy about that sort of thing, and Next Gen is usually better than TV, but every now and then they fall back into, you know. But they were good in this. Like, they yeah. talked about some, they and they admitted that people had genitals. Like, they said, yep. and we have different sexual organs. Oh, and there's and... some great scenes where Riker's trying to explain, because she's, she's so frank about it. She says, like, so what are your genitals like? And he does this great well, sort of... I think I have a uh... picture here somewhere. <laughs> Hang on. No, but his original, his, his initial reaction is like, I don't think anyone's ever asked me that directly before. And it's great. Let me get Mr. Day to describe them for you. Oh, no, no. I want you to do <laughs> He's it. He's had them oh, in his face oh. for the past five years. And he just years. flops it out. <laughs> yep. There, there you, you go. go. <laughs> Wait, where did that zipper come from? <laughs> we, will all, we will all be on the need for not zippers. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, the the, um, the androgynous people evolved beyond the need for genitals, and I didn't like that line. I thought they were going to go kind of shut up Future Man with it. Yeah. Well, uh, we don't we don't need your earth penises. Oh, we do. <laughs> I was talking to Amanda about this. If they're inseminating anything, they kind of do. 
Well, yeah, if you're going to inseminate something, something has to do the insemination. Know. It might it might be a cloud of spores, but uh, well, yeah, think about things in the sea. No, but... in my head, they're both jerking off onto a bag. <laughs> do you know what a husk even is? Yeah, it's a bag. All right, that works for me. Uh, all right, I'm in. Or, it's a bag no. that a baby grows in. Hmm. Do we need to have this discussion at some point, Matt? Because why don't you give us your bad thing now, Matt? Me or her? Well, you're Matt. You're Matt. I didn't hear I'm, that. Part. I'm Amanda. Ah, yes. She, okay, so you... all the here's my big problem with this thing: all the androgynous people are played by women in this episode. That's not androgyny. That's girls in pants. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It just they, it oh, feels like a big cop out for what the message of this episode is supposed to be. That's true. I don't think the people they cast as androgynous were particularly androgynous. There was one, the one um, On main the trial, the, yeah. the, the trial lady with the hat. Mm -hmm. She was, but we see the the main chick Soren, and we're like, she's a cute girl. She yeah, that looks chick like is Ezra. cute as a button. She's got that that pixie haired kind of. Yeah, she's a little androgynous, but she's clearly feminine. Yes. Thing. Yeah. And then we meet the Tattletale uh, uh, Janai, and she looks even more like a lady. Yeah, like she just, just looks like an old like woman. a lady. Yeah, I, of course you emphasized her hip waggle. She just moved she, her hip she, once to a direction, and you made it sound like she was Jessica Rabbit. Ba 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 ba. Not quite that bad. <laughs> but nah, the, nah, look at but, my hips. <laughs> but Soren, the chick who plays Soren, did a good job of not trying to not accentuate her femininity in her walk and this other chick just didn't bother unfortunately well, like she's got like a lot of natural femininity from being a woman well yeah. and, and one way to explain that would be well on their planet they have people who prefer a gender yeah he leans woman and it's like when you're gay but you're in the closet but you still have hello yeah you know like maybe she just naturally is like that and doesn't even know it. Yeah, no, I mean that would be fine if the rest of the of the. Uh, no, you're right about that. If yeah. the rest of the uh, the Janai were more vague about what they were supposed to be. I think the ones in the background were probably male, like some of the extras, but all the speaking ones were women, and you could yeah, so that's tell. the problem. They they needed to cast some castrati, is what it is. Mm -hmm. They needed to bring in some some eunuchs. And I know it might not sound good, but. Maybe they could have toyed with voice modulation and seen if that could have worked. Because a lot of the problem, too, is the voices. Yeah. Or they're so feminine. Yeah. That's true. Although that's not always in pitch. Because, I yeah. mean, your your voice is a little lower than a lot of women's, but you still clearly sound like a woman. Like, there's... You know. But if they made it a little more alien sounding, yeah, like, just true. where it just didn't sound particularly like anything. I did otherwise like the look of them, though. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, they got a good look to them. They got kind of a weird sort of palish, grayish ash skin, and then yep. kind of a... A little bit of head bump, but not the lazy sort of head bump. And I, I don't know, they look sufficiently alien. Got a like... forehead fork. Yep. Yeah. And they... I, li I like their little outfits, like the sort of the Samat was saying, the sackcloth chic. Yep. <laughs> well, they look samey, which yeah. I like. Uh, the, the fact that they make them all look identical kind of makes up for the fact that they are all clearly women. I think, like, the, the sameness is really supposed to be a huge part of that culture, and I don't think they played it up enough. Well, visually they did, but yeah. They, visually I mean, yeah. they did, but they didn't talk about it. Right. No, I, I agree with that. And I kind of liked it because their look is not super different, theoretically, from how the Vulcans look. Like, the Vulcans do the clean lines and the, the, black, bowl the, the black bowl cut. And, and they the, all dress the same. Yeah, mm -hmm. but Vulcans all look, when you think about it, they all look really different from each other. Yeah, they just do. With, you wouldn't say, oh yeah, all Vulcans look the same, because they don't. Nope. Well, that's like, that's a, it's, it, that, that's a culture that's still, like, I mean, they've got certain, you know like trappings of their culture but they're still a unique like a culture of unique people 
Right, but visually, I think what she's saying is that they managed to convey on the show that these people are similar but not the same, whereas these people are deliberately trying to right. look like each other. You were saying it looks like there's a shot that looks like... Um, it's like an aquarium yeah. full of all the same kind of fish. <laughs> where you're looking in the window at them in a conference or whatever, and they're all just standing around, and it just it looks like they're identical. Yep. Which is nice. All right. Uh, since we're doing it all out of order, I'm not sure, but I think you need to do your bad thing now. <clears throat> well, my bad thing is my... <clears throat> this is an issue I've had for some time with Star Trek, and I'm sure a lot of you already have heard about this. But I have a real problem with there being no gay people in Star Trek. Um, I'm not. That's not this episode's fault. <laughs> Let's not, be fair. It's not this. Ep- and I, I don't want. I want to be clear. I really like this episode. I like the acting. I like the directing. I like a lot of the choices they made. But some really little touches could have improved it. Like when they're when Riker and uh, Soren are talking about gender, Riker very much says uh, a man and a woman, a woman and a man. But he could have just really easily said, you know, and some some men prefer men, whatever, and he could have just have thrown it in there. Uh, but he didn't, and that sort of made me feel like, remember the half black, half white episode from the original series where they were talking about race? Sure. If they did that, only they only had white people on the show. Yeah, you know? I see what you mean. On the other hand, the climate of TV back then was, yes, there are some gay people in the stray sitcom or the stray drama, but it was not a big part of the culture. It wasn't a big part of the culture, but I looked this up because I knew I know, I'd i seen shows that did have it. Mm. And there is a whole list, and I, I looked at um, the timeline like mm-hmm. to see to make sure that they didn't happen afterwards. So that's Yeah, not this fair. episode was like 92. So. But, I mean, the Golden Girls had an episode that featured uh, one of the characters' gay brother getting married. Like, yes, it was in, a whole... in one episode. It was a whole... He came back a couple of times. Okay, but it wasn't a main character on the show or even a supplemental character on the um, show. Roseanne had a, a main gay character. Roseanne, I don't think, was on the air at this point. She was. I, I looked it All up right. online. Okay. And Quantum Leap had a bunch of gay characters. Okay, they... that hurts. <laughs> Star Damn Trek, you, you're Bacula. not better than Quantum Leap. Hmm? Although, wasn't that just one episode? It was three episodes, and they were all bad guys. So it it's it, it see it what I remember and and I'm not, I hate playing this card but really I am older than you guys and I do remember that time I think better than you would because you were 11 and I was 18 but I clearly <laughs> You're remember an old man yes yes I am but in 92 like Basic Instinct came out around this time and the whole thing apart from that beaver shot that everyone talks about is that Sharon Stone was bisexual and evil and that was like a big deal oh well she prefers men and women so she's bad. Like, there was a weird sort of connection to that. And it was a lot of that in the culture. Like, okay, we're going to acknowledge gay people, but they're still sort of on the fringes. They're still either bad or just completely misunderstood or misfits in some way. But the, with the exception of Quantum Leap, mm. <laughs> but I don't want to excuse Quantum Leap because no one should excuse Quantum Leap. Um, the characters in these sitcoms were good guys. Like they were just either part of the cast or they were portrayed positively and people who were like, really, you're gay? Those were the bad guys. Sandra Bernhardt, she was a regular character on Roseanne. I remember yeah, she that. Was. yeah, but was she gay on that show? Oh yeah, super yeah. gay. Okay. But that's what I'm talking about. She came out in the show before this episode aired. Was she a main character? Yeah. She wasn't a main right. She was, uh, like, she wasn't in every episode, but she was in regularly enough. So, like, an Ensign wrote. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's fair. I just, I remember when, when the Ellen thing happened, and it was like, well, you know, yeah, we've had the stray character here and there, but this is the first time, you know, a gay character has been sort of the front of a show. 
And if if one of the core seven on the show had been gay, that would have been there's no way. And I mean, I'm not even even though it would have been possible, I think that it would have been difficult in the climate, but they could have admitted the existence of gay people. They should and have. They yeah. never even even on Deep Space Nine later on, they still don't admit gay people exist. Nope. And then in Voyager, I checked because I thought maybe because Voyager could be I a little trashy. I could swear somebody said they, that there was. There was nothing in Voyager either. There's nothing until Gross Enterprise where they're probably like rubbing oil over each other's nipples. <laughs> well, in fairness, that's what gay people do. It is. Um, and I was doing a little bit of research on this, and Rick Berman, one of the producers, is a big, giant girl's vagina. He <laughs> says, when they were talking about this, um, they were talking about having a man play Soren, and they said, and he said, having Riker engaged in passionate kisses with a male actor might have been a little unpalatable to viewers. Well, he's not wrong. He just didn't take a stand. <laughs> the climate back then was, especially like with something like this, I don't think people wanted to see that yet. I don't think people want to see it now. You don't see men kissing men on TV a lot. I want to see it now. I kind of do too. Yeah. Oh, I'm look. <laughs> I'm not saying we don't. And just just to officially weigh in, yes, me too. <laughs> I'm not I'm not talking around anything. But, <laughs> Al, why do you hate gay people? Um, yeah, why do you hate gay people so much? Because they're because they're not having sex with me. <laughs> That's really the main reason. I I feel like it's still a hard sell on TV now. Is the thing I think it probably happens from time to time, but I don't think it's a regular thing. I remember even when, uh, what is it, Six Feet Under mm -hmm. had a gay couple and they kissed for the first time. People I worked with who admittedly on a, on a military base who were very conservative said, I couldn't watch that show. Yeah. There's two guys kissing. That was disgusting. But that was on pay cable where you're allowed to do anything. And there were still people saying, I don't want to watch that. Like, it's, it's a real thing. And whether we think it's right or not, it's they need people to watch their show. <laughs> but yeah, Rick Berman should have taken a stand. He absolutely should. Or just shut your mouth. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. don't don't put this quote out there. But then you said that, on the other hand... On the other hand, Frakes was, like, all about yeah. having it be a dude. He wanted it to be a dude at the time, mm -hmm. and he's come forward later. And most guys don't... Most guys who were in Star Trek don't really criticize Star Trek. It's not, I mean, in Next Gen... We've actually seen that in the yeah. last few years. A few of them have started saying things like, this was not a good episode. Yeah. <laughs> but for a long time, they didn't. But Well, that was sort of the Paramount yeah. Party line, is everyone talks good about Star Trek no matter what. Mm -hmm. but he well, said... I mean, at this point now, like, you know, Star Trek's Well, now it doesn't different. matter. Yeah, now, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, these guys aren't going to get work again, no matter what Michael Dorn might think. <laughs> well, but once they got the commentaries in the can for the DVDs, I think they're, they've got all the official stuff on the thing, and now yeah. they can just start saying what they think. But he's been saying for a long time that that was a big missed opportunity and he was absolutely willing to do it, which makes him better than Terry Farrell. Well, we'll, we'll get to that later, but it just let's just celebrate the fact that he's he was very cool about it then. Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, that's I, I just keep, you know, everything that happens with him just keeps impressing me. And We love um, you, Jonathan Frakes. Yes, we do. Also, think about, what the, think about what that would have done to Tumblr. Oh, God. <laughs> It still would. The thing is, this this was ages and ages no, I think ago, that but would it have still forced, would have become a thing. I, I think that would have forced the creation of Tumblr right there in 1992. <laughs> yep. On Prodigy and CompuServe. That's what Tumblr is for: watching the boys kiss. Yep. Yep. All right. Uh, any additional thoughts, Matt? We need to start pressing forward. Yeah, here. I think that's everything. That's what I wanted to touch on. I I have one more thing. Yes. Um, there were a lot of really nice, um set dressing choices in this episode like during the awesome poker scene mm -hmm. we've got um data's deerstalker and sherlock holmes coat just hanging out in the oh background. yeah you pointed that out to me and i was that like was, wow that was neat. neat yeah and then later on in a really great scene between uh 
breaks in Sirtis, uh, Troy has this box of stuff from Earth that doesn't have anything to do with anything else. It's no, just... she's just unpacking an old yeah. trunk that they found at, at her, her old house or whatever. You know, I love that that didn't turn into, you know, well, your relationship is like this object that I found in this box. It's just the thing she happens to be doing when he's walking in. It adds a, a whole layer of these it... people aren't just standing around waiting for a scene to happen. And, and so much of the set dressing in the show, like the pictures of the Enterprise on the Enterprise, yeah. and is so is so clumsy that this was really nice. This felt like something that something real. Well, and the thing about like Data's quarters, they already have that stuff anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. it's not like they'd have to go buy his Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> go get the Sherlock Holmes hat. All right, here it is in the box marked season two. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're you're absolutely right. It was nice. And every time we get that, and every time we get these crew members that mm-hmm. come back, and little things like that, it feels more like a, you know, a more fleshed out show. And that was such a great scene. Um, Riker comes in and says, you know, I'm, I've got feelings for this lady, so that's probably going to change things between us. And yeah. she, she looks, and Sirtis is so good in this. She's and, good. Like I always uh... say, she's good. Like, casual, off-duty Troy is actually really interesting, mm-hmm. especially with Riker. Those two just have this great chemistry. And it's so easy to think that Troy, because we talk about how much how much useless and terrible she is, mm-hmm. but she's she can be really great. Yep. No, the the scene between them is fantastic, and it could have been not good. And you were saying how she looks like a little jealous, but then she's like, "Well, no, I don't have a right to be jealous. We're yeah. not actually together." And... Especially with the amount of guys I fall in love with every week. Yeah, we have this conversation the other way around <laughs> constantly. Yep. Bill, I'm afraid we won't be hooking up again anymore. I found someone. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. See you next week. Yeah, <laughs> same time. All right. After and we, the poker game, we still don't have any official canonical evidence of our theory that they hook up when they're alone. But I, everything we see just makes it makes seem more like perfect it. sense. The, the fact yep. that they have to have these conversations, and we've seen a couple of them. Yeah, they they really make it seem like that's likely. Yeah, it's it's certainly possible. Overall, though, I think I I also wish that Soren had clearly you know favored being male. And then we could have had a nice uh, support of Matt's theory, which is everyone in the future is just omnisexual and they don't, it's not a big deal. Yeah. I would love that. If yeah. that was if it's just, there's no gay people because everyone just does whatever they want. Who yeah. cares? There's no straight people. You have sex and date, have sex with and date whoever you're attracted to. It doesn't, yeah. we don't even look at it anymore. Yeah. It's just, you know, but unfortunately, no. But again, I don't think, like, it's good for you to bring this up and it's, it's an important thing to talk about, but I don't think this is the episode to illustrate your point. Apart from the fact that they cast Soren as a woman. And they don't talk... I mean, they, this episode, more than a lot of other episodes, talks about gender. Yeah. Like, we have a number of conversations where people are talking about gender roles and what people find attractive and all this kind of thing. And that would be the perfect opportunity to just slip something in. Yeah, this yeah. is the best place we've had so far for this to... I I do think, in that climate, say what you will about Roseanne and Quantum Leap. <laughs> oh, and we will. <laughs> but... Say what you will, it wasn't a thing people talked about a lot. And this episode at least dealt with the alienation of being gay, of feeling alone, of feeling like, oh, well, there's a community of us, but it's hard to find them. And it's, it, we're always sort of looking over our shoulder. And it, it, If only Soren's plan had the internet. <laughs> yeah. But it was it was a nice sort of, you know, allegory. Like, it was a decent story about that. No, it was. And, like, I, I don't want to dump on this episode because this episode was really good. And it was weird because Jerry Taylor normally writes episodes I hate. Mm-hmm. But this was, she was spot yeah. on on this. Well, and as I've always said, the best episodes to me are about character. And you get you get Soren, who we've only met, just met, and you're really sympath- sympathetic with her. 
and then Riker, you, you see sort of stuff about him, and it's, you know... And it was another, it was a good way to get into this new alien culture with Soren, whereas... Yeah. Well, of course, we never see them again. No, but, yes. but it right. was, that was, like, what you guys have been talking about. If you give us one character that yeah. gives us an inroad, yes, it's exactly. really helpful. <laughs> Rather than a bunch of mullety rebels yeah. that we don't care about. Right. And the danger is hard, like, the danger is like, yeah, there's a thing, whatever. Yeah, yeah. look out for that! Yeah. Watch out, Riker man! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, one final point. Soren was also the name of the villain that my, Malcolm McDowell played in Generations. Mm -hmm. And I just got to thinking, well, yes, Soren should have been, should have been played by a man. Malcolm McDowell. Oh. <laughs> yes. I Riker. love you, Commander Riker. Now let's kiss. If, blah, 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 blah. if only there were a way for the two of us to be together. <laughs> All right, Amanda, give us your quote. We need to move on. We are running late. Well, I don't want to talk about the other episode, so that works. Um, I don't want to talk about the other episode, so that works. We have to so talk works. about the other episode. <laughs> um... In the the poker scene in this one, and the poker scenes are always good. Mm -hmm. uh, there's this great little um, discussion a bit between of business. <laughs> Is it a bit of bit business, of business <laughs> between um, Troy and Worf? And that's going to go here. I could be wrong, but I get the definite impression that Soren is attracted to Commander Riker. Oh, human and a Janari. Impossible. Why? Good question. Worf? Well, these wild cards. It is difficult to know what is exactly in my hand. However, I will open with 50. All right. That was a great quote. <laughs> you're really, you're stalling now. What else uh, do they, uh, yeah. the, uh, hmm. uh so, no, about, uh, we need to move forward. Let's talk about this water bottle, this nope. fine <laughs> water bottle. Listen, we have we have a very important reason to uh, cement the format of this show very soon, and we will tell you about that after after the next uh, episode <laughs> discussion. It's kind right of a big soon. deal. Boogity boogity. Kind of a big deal. Uh, in the meantime, Matt. Yes. I feel like I've asked you this over and over again. Uh huh. <laughs> Why don't you tell us about cause and effect? It's time to cause some effect. <laughs> Alright, the Enterprise explodes. Like, a lot. Later, Bever, Bill, Data, and Worf are, having, are playing cards and realize that they've done all this before. This is because they have. About a billion times. And I feel like I have watched it every single time. The card calls the crew together they're for a meeting, and the Enterprise explodes. Joy reports a headache and dizziness. The Enterprise explodes. Bever breaks a fucking wine glass for the 83rd time, and the fucking Enterprise fucking explodes a fucking again. Eventually, mercifully, the crew catches on, realizes that they've all been repeating themselves over and over again, and then the Enterprise explodes. Uh, but then the crew figures out a way that the Enterprise explodes. Figures out a... Enterprise explodes. <laughs> figures out a way to send a message to the next loop so that the Enterprise doesn't explode. Jesus. So after, altogether, the Enterprise, the Enterprise explodes. explodes. Thank you. The crew starts finding mysterious threes littered about the ship. When the crisis finally arrives again, Data realizes what is happening, does a three, and the day is saved from crashing into Kelsey Grammer, who has apparently come into the future looking for Lilith. Sadly, he's about a year too late, and Aww. then the Enterprise explodes. This became a lot less funny when uh, Kelsey Grammer was arrested for drunk driving. I actually thought about making a joke there, but I figured it had been done a million times. Yeah, but I, I had to point it out. Um, also... I feel like this entire episode was just an elaborate Sesame Street Sesame Street sketch uh, pushing the number three. Yep. 
By the end, you're like, well, now I understand what three is. This episode of Star Trek is brought to you by the number three and the letter Q. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, yeah, yeah, six, yeah, yeah. seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Do, 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 do. The 12. fascinating Amanda Solo. <laughs> let's talk about let's talk about Sesame Street some more. Let's not do that. You're thinking of the post atomic Sesame Street show. We don't do that anymore. Um yeah, I remembered liking this episode. And I, I also remember remembered liking wrong. this episode. Yeah. I came I, into this one like prepared to like it. Yeah. I, I... All right, Matt. Tell me your good thing. All right, so poker game at the really be- at the at the really beginning. At the, the really poker game beginning. at the Upstairs very beginning the really of the beginning. episode <laughs> is just great. I love watching these characters hanging out and being friends all all the time. It like it plays out for a while too because they want to set up. Yeah, that we're coming back to it again yeah. and again. So we see a lot of them just you know hanging out, being friends. I like that, and I like. It seems like they forgot about the poker games. Like, they set them up in Season 3, and mm-hmm. then they forgot about it for, like, a year, and now they're coming back to them hard. Yeah. Because we had it last week, we have it this week. I'm pretty sure it's going to start happening more regularly now. And it's good, because it's a, it's a fun thing to see. It, and it's, it's, just, a, it's, it's a, a way, way to, get to get them get, all together. Yeah, I remember to get always getting excited talking. when when yeah. that showed up. Like, when you see, it's like, oh, yeah, the poker game, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because it doesn't matter for the story. It just matters. And you get a great look into what they're each like. Because yeah. Riker's a great bluffer. Worf is terrible because he's <laughs> too direct. Mm-hmm. You can't play poker and just say, yes, I have a full house. You have yeah, to, when you've yeah. got a worse poker face than uh, than Data. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Data's just trying to, like, you see him trying to integrate into humans and trying to say, you know, no help for the Klingon and a pair of deuces. You know, just throwing the lingo around and trying <laughs> to fit his, in. Uh, he got his poker terminology book. Right. No, I think he's been watching Riker. Yeah. But it, it didn't sound awkward. Like, it sounds like he's been practicing for a while and is getting pretty smooth with it. And just a lot of little things like that. And then, of course, Beverly just being a girl. Wee! <sighs> yep. Now, she wasn't. I mean, the thing is, you have to have a character like that. Yeah. If they had other characters to balance her out, it wouldn't be a problem. But they don't. I know. But she's a mom. She's a mom and she's a girl. And just let it, you know, let her be how she is. Every. There's so much of her being a mom girl in this episode. Yeah, she she's very you get to yeah. see her hanging out in her quarters being the most mom ever. Yeah. <laughs> With her box wine and her orchids and her little pink chim jams. Yeah, we we speculated that she's probably reading uh what was it? 50 uh, Shades, 50 of, Shades of Gray. <laughs> so she take, can have a little thrill. Yeah, and taking a Pilates class. Yep. And um watching No, Grey's no, she's Anatomy. into Zumba now. Oh, of course, Zumba. <laughs> Don't you do that, Amanda? I, I have been to a cult or two. <laughs> ha ha. Aww. All right, and your bad thing, Matt? Uh, this episode just gets tedious. Mm-hmm. Like, I seriously not never thought I could get this bored watching the Enterprise explode. Mm-hmm. This is a con- The concept of this episode is a pretty interesting idea, but at its very nature, you're going to be watching the same damn thing over and over and over again with very minor changes. And your brain starts automatically latching onto any new stuff and tuning out all the old stuff, and it's just not a very good way to run an episode. And it feels like it's only 20 minutes of episodes stretched out to 50. I... Actually, it feels like it's stretched out to way longer than 50. Well, that's true, because we keep looping. Now, I I didn't mind the repetition. I know both of you guys hated it. In fact, Amanda's reaction when her other episode was this was, like, to change. Just to scream and run away and not do this. Yeah. So you hated it that much. I just, I don't like Groundhog's Day. Like, I don't like time repetition show, like, stories in general. Mm. And this, I mean, I have seen them that, are, I'm not saying it's impossible for them to be good, I but I usually don't like them. Mm. And this one wasn't done particularly well. Yeah, I, I remember it, it being done couple, well. It had yeah. a couple of moments. Yeah. 
No, and, and I think Matt, your memory was the same. That yeah, it was I, I actually I, I remember thinking it was a really cool idea. It is a really cool idea. Yeah, but, but I know. also remember enjoying it when I watched that really cool idea. Oh, yeah. also, you guys, <laughs> let, 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 I'll get to that. I'll get to that. Uh, okay, so you have to find a good thing, no matter how much you hate this. This one actually had some more of what I was talking about the last episode, where we um, do some stuff that makes the ship feel more like a real ship. We've got Ensign Row uh, just hanging out. She doesn't have a part in this. She just is in her station up She's front. She's got maybe ten lines, and half of them are the same line over yeah, and over again. Yeah, hailing frequency is open, Captain. Yeah. And then we've got Nurse Ogawa in the uh, medical bay. And she's just, again, she just happens to be down there. No, and they gave her a name in this yeah. episode. I yeah. believe it's the first time they actually called her Nurse Agawa, which is, it's like the O'Brien thing. First you see him, then he talks, then he gets a name, and gradually he gets an own episode. Soon, and, she'll, you know. soon she'll marry a horrible woman. Yeah. Well, and then we'll have our gay people. <laughs> then so that, that would be set. good. Yeah. Um, but I, I like that um, in the first couple of series, we mostly just had <laughs> random extras in the background. And as the show progresses, we have a couple of recurring extras. Mm -hmm. And that makes it feel more like a real place. Yes, like we absolutely. have um, that one lady uh, who's in the Wesley chair a lot of the time now. Oh, yeah. Ensign Brown Sugar. Yeah, Ensign Brown Sugar. <laughs> uh -huh. um, and... well, we got a, we got a pro procession of hot chicks in the Wesley chair. I think once he left, Riker's like, oh, no, no. Now I make my move. <laughs> I'm not looking at a teenage boy for another five years. We're gonna. I'm gonna be in charge of the duty roster now. <laughs> yes. And that they have better costumes because it's the same people, so we don't have the ill-fitting like. Or Here, you extras costumes. throw these on. We got them lying around. Yeah. Here, and, I think we still got one of the old uh, season one skirt uniforms for some of the men, if you want. Yeah. <laughs> this one's got uh, Frakes ball sweat in it. Why don't you wear this? You can just drain that out. There you go. Yeah. Wring it out like a sponge. <laughs> it could be an old. Uh, it could be an old data. Uh, uniform, and that's got Frank's ball sweat on it, too. Uh, I suppose that's true. Riker's <laughs> leg was never higher. You talk about leg up, his leg is never more upped than in yep. this episode. We find out, we've never seen it from this angle before, we find out that the thing next to Data that I thought was an ottoman is actually sort of like a ramp. It slopes up. Yeah, it's he, got buttons on it that apparently he just steps on. Yes. Well, they're like touch buttons. Like, if you if you put your foot on your iPhone, it wouldn't do anything. You have to put your fingers on it. But um, his his leg is usually up at the lower end of the ramp, and here it was up almost at the top, like his foot was almost at Data's head level. He, he's limbering up for the Enterprise kick line. <laughs> and the nice thing is, Frank's directed this episode, so it feels like that's how he wants it. Yep. That was his choice. This, uh, like, this is my decision. If we're going to do this, we're going to do it right. Yep. <laughs> and I've always said he's got his leg up because he's so tall and he needs to be in the frame, but this made him Even taller. taller. Yeah, so that didn't... That didn't help at all. I, I'm Commander Riker, and I'm enormous. You look at me. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Maybe he just wanted to emphasize his hugeness. And yep. he's from Alaska. Uh, yeah. Who says that he's not? <laughs> I'm huge. All right. Say a bad thing. Um, I the first time we see the ship explode, it's awesome. Yep. Great. Like, oh, uh, great uh, opening cliffhanger for the and, episode. And hearing Picard say, all hands abandoned ship, it's like we're invested enough in these characters now, we're like, Jesus. Yep. He wouldn't, what What the hell? And and the, actually, the second time we see it is still kind of good, because it um, we're like, oh, well, this is what's going on. It sort of yeah. it explains what's yeah. going on. And it almost has a nice futility to it. Like, yeah. they're never going to get out of this. And that's the thing about um, Beverly breaking that glass over and over again. Mm. We're kind of thinking, well, maybe there's nothing they can do. Maybe this time is set, and it's just going to happen over and over again. Yeah. But... Then it happens, as Matt may have mentioned in his summary, so many times that it completely yeah, loses impact. Explodes. Hang on, hang on. I've watched this episode twice today and listened to Matt's summary. I missed the Enterprise exploding. Is that, did that <laughs> thing that happened? 
I must have missed that. And they made it boring. How mm. could the Enterprise exploding being boring? Yeah. But it is. It's, yep. it's a ship we've really come to, to love, and, you know, and we don't want to see it blow up. Yeah. I mean, there's a, you know, in Star Trek Three when, when the Enterprise, like, when they blow up the Enterprise to keep the Klingons from getting it, it's like, oh, my God. Yeah. Kirk loves that like a woman, and he just blew it up. And, you know, here it's like, oh, here we go again. Mm. Mike's tripping. <laughs> also, that fire on the bridge. Oh, God, there was this really <laughs> fake-looking... It must have been early CG, because it didn't even belong there. Nope. It was, like, from a forest fire from, like, a different show. It, it was it, it was like Lassie's Rescue Rangers showed up. It, it almost looks like someone came in and painted flames on the side of the ship. <laughs> I assume well, to make it go faster. Worf's been trying to do that for years, but... Yes. Uh, Everyone always shoots you guys. This is gonna look so cool. No, it's not. We'll get Lister out there to paint it. (laughs) (laughs) So, like I said, I remember liking this episode. I guess I remembered wrong. I do love the concept. I think it's a different take on the whole time travel thing. We haven't beaten time or time anomalies into the ground yet. Like we know it's coming, but at this point, they've traveled in time once. I think. Have they even once? Um, th- they must have traveled in time once. I don't think they've gone back in time. They had Time Squared, which was Picard from Six Hours in the Future. Yeah. And they had, uh, that's all I can think of. I don't think there's yeah, been no, a if lot they, of that. Usually if they're going to do the traditional, enter- like, Enterprise crew goes back in time, they just do a holodeck episode. Right. Yeah, they, so they don't have to. Yeah. But eventually we know, into later seasons of this show, they will do way too much time travel well, and then into Voyager. and Brennan Braga is in love with time travel. The thing is, it's a cool idea, and it's a staple of science fiction. If you're in space and you're going faster than light, there's going to be time travel. Yeah. But it should be cool. And this idea is cool. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I got. It's not the repetition that bothers me. It's Like, I think that's a cool idea. I think it could have been handled better. But it doesn't It doesn't bother me. Also, seeing Kelsey Grammer was great. Yeah. As as we all pointed out, him with his beard and the, in the classic movie uniform, he looks like a Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah, he's he does. very Star Trek. He looks and uh, the the uh, the ensign or whatever next to him was supposed to be Kirstie Alley as mm-hmm. Savick, and unfortunately they couldn't get her. the The nice thing is, um, Paramount on the Paramount lot apparently they shared like the studio for Cheers was right next to the studio for Star Trek, ah. and so that's why Lilith was on, that's why uh, Kelsey Grammer was on because they're right there. They're like, that's hey, why, come over uh, and film. Admiral Woody Harrelson kept showing up. <laughs> well, it was Admiral Coach first. Well, of course. But then he retired off screen, and they they replaced him with Admiral Woody. <laughs> Very sad. And then I, now I picture Coach showing up in the in a Pike wheelchair. Beep. Yeah. Beep. It was nice because whenever they wanted one of those guys, they didn't have to take off, you know, take time off of their show. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, Just I'm done shooting. Over. Cheers. Let me pop over here, see what's happening. Mm-hmm. It was. It, it, I like that. I like that they they had nothing to do with each other, but they still were kind of the two shows were kind of friends. Yes. That's that's kind of cool to me. <laughs> but yeah. You and us, Star Trek. <laughs> but seeing Kirstie Alley there would have been a nice, like, not only hey, a meta thing where we're both from Cheers, but also kind of a, hey, that's what happened to her. Yeah. But, ah, it's fine. It was still cool seeing him. Oh, boy. Let's go into my bad thing now. Well, let's talk about Braga and his mumbo jumbo. <laughs> All right. Time loop, cool. People being aware that they're looping doesn't make a lick of sense. Deja Vu is not science. It's a chapter in the Time Life Mysteries of the Unexplained books. I Beverly, I have that book. Probably. I think Amanda does as well. I do. <laughs> Beverly hearing ghost whispers from the previous loops. Uh, and Matt pointed out, okay, they're hearing what the previous loop went through. 
people on the ship are not all whispering, all 1,000 of them. <laughs> no. She should be hearing normal voices. Like, pitched, like, really, like, quite, like, only Dana should be able to hear that. Right. Um, nobody should be able to hear it because it doesn't make sense. That's not no. how time works. But, I mean, if it is there, then only Dana should be able to hear it. Beverly shouldn't be hearing it in the middle of the goddamn night. Yeah, she's always hearing it when she's in her little PJs going to sleep. Also, what is it with Braga and Beverly? Every time... Well, she's always at the center yeah. of these pseudo-mythical, like, uh, mysteries. Let me let me finish my rant, though. Right, right, right. Data getting a message to himself via post-hypnotic suggestion. God damn it. Jordy seeing ghosts with his visor. How the fuck is that even... Braga always has to put some dumb horror or magic element into things that might otherwise be interesting sci-fi concepts. But horror and magic have their place. I'm a big Buffy fan. I like mm -hmm. that show, and it had both of those things in it. But... That's a show that isn't this show. Those things don't work here. I know Matt likes horror in Star Trek, but I don't think it works if outside the original series. Well, yeah. And I, I'm not saying this because I want you to agree with me, but can you name a next gen episode that that has done it effectively? Nothing we've seen so far. Right. Maybe one's coming up, but so far this show does not handle that way. They try, mm -hmm. and they don't do it. And you, as a horror fan, I, I defer to you on that. Yeah. No, I look for, I, I like, I look yeah. for that kind of thing. And if it comes up, I like to talk about it. Horror in space can be handled well. That's what Alien was. Yeah. But it can also be. I'm trying to cram this genre into a different genre, and they don't fit together. Like and, an onion in a bottle. Yeah. And something bad happens. Onion in a bottle. But they it, uh, stop putting ghosts in my sci-fi show. Braga has this really specific idea of what he wants Star Trek to be. Putting aside the fact that I don't like it, he just he clearly has a vision of what the show should be. And I, I don't like it. I, I don't care for it, and that's what Voyager is. And That's, that's what... why Deep Space Nine was so good, was they paired... Yeah, they, they split they, off they... the two main guys. Yeah. Ron Moore, you go over here with your team. Braga, you go over here with your team. And we see the difference between, okay, character-driven stuff with a little bit of sci-fi, or magic and ghosts. <clears throat> And I'm sure there's people who like that magic and ghost stuff better, so Voyager is for That's them. That's fine, but it's a sci-fi show. There should be, you know, and, and his way of pulling that off is Technobabble. When they, when they, well, how come we're hearing whispers? How come? Well, tachyons. Yeah, well, the verteron particles, blah, 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 blah. That doesn't explain a goddamn thing. No, that thing. just makes, that, that, that just justifies a, your bullshit. Ju yeah, justifies your bullshit and proves that you don't know what you're talking about. Right. If it's one little science-y thing that we can sort of wrap our minds around, that's fine. But when it's just blah, blah, particles, blah, blah, you know, whatever, it doesn't really make any sense. Really, though, this complaint will become more repetitive as we continue to do this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be looping my Braga complaint over <laughs> and over and over. And then the Enterprise explodes. My, my thing, I've been saying this a lot lately. It's because I finally realized what makes an episode that I like and what makes an episode I don't like. Always at the top, always is character stuff. Yep. There was not much character stuff in this That's episode. why The Outcast was so good, was it yeah. was mostly character. There right. was a bit of sci-fi, but that was really incidental. Yes, mm. and then the second thing for me is cool sci-fi ideas, because I do like a science fiction show that explores interesting things. And then after that, nothing. Like, those are the two things I watch Star Trek for. Yep. It's characters and cool sci-fi. Well, and cool ship battles. That's, that falls we don't under get any of that until DS9. That falls under cool sci-fi. All right. I, it's a broad definition. Ghosts do not. <laughs> Fucking ghosts. Ah! I hate Fucking ghosts. A ghost. I hate ghosts more than I hate chairs. <laughs> and I hate chairs a lot. Oh, man. You must really hate that Voyager episode with the ghost of the chair. Oh, man. <laughs> Can we just quit after DS9? No, we made a vow on our parents' grave. Oh. Your I, murdered parents. I even killed my parents to. Uh... <laughs> Actually, no, Matt and I did the Hitchcock thing where we swapped. Yep. Chris Cross. Yes, crisscross. 
where I killed his parents and he killed mine, and then we just cried over each other's graves and yep. you know, and swore a, an oath to uh, watch Voyager. Watch Voyager because it's and what our Enterprise. parents would have wanted if they knew what Voyager was <laughs> or what a podcast is. Yes. Yeah. What's a Star Trek? <laughs> he still doesn't know. <laughs> Matthew, are you doing that online uh, online line radio show again? Yes, yes. mom. <laughs> Where can uh, I find it on my radio? <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a bit where uh, Data's going through all the whispers that he's heard. And he's like, these people are doing this. These people are talking about this. Five couples are engaged in romantic encounters. <laughs> there's five couples banging like screen doors. Would you like I, to hear about it? I love that. I just love that out of a thousand people at any given time, at least five couples are having sex. That, mm -hmm. It's good to hear. Picard's like, yeah, you tell me about it later. Yeah. <laughs> He he cuts it. Oh no, that's fine, Mister Data. But he really like yeah. We'll, yeah we'll come back though. Bookmark this web page. Lots to talk about. <laughs> Which five? <laughs> Were they all together? There's, no, there's no gay people in here. No, but it might be like an orgy. Might be like a poker. Like the the lower decks people have an orgy instead of a poker game. Of course, just mad they didn't invite him. Yeah. <laughs> you were always invited, sir. <laughs> uh. So what else do you guys got? We gotta we gotta start wrapping this one up too. Let's see here. Have ye notes? No, you don't. I don't. The pro. I, I tried taking notes on this thing, but the problem is the same thing just kept happening. Yeah. No, and I I noticed in your notes it said there it goes again. Yep. <laughs> here comes this guy again. Yep. <laughs> that's it. No, this this could have been a cool idea, and it just wasn't. That's that's really what it comes down to for me. You got any? You got any further wisdom, Matt? Oh, there's a there's a weird um uh there's a weird shot in this episode. Um, not sure what to, what to call it. A um, shot when uh, Beverly's in her in her quarters waiting to Hear videotape the whispers, the, the whispers yeah. uh -huh. and they do it all. I guess it's with a like they do it all with a handy cam. Oh yeah, so it's all like free. Like, it, it, yeah. it, it's very Blair Witch Project, and it kind of made me want to throw up. This was the thing in the 90s. People were just starting to get, like, this handheld camera thing. I think NYPD Blue started it, and it's like, this makes it more real. It makes it feel less static. And I don't like it now. I didn't like it then, but it was sort of an experimental thing. It wasn't huge in TV yet, and I admire Frakes for at least trying. Mm -hmm. But I also felt it was sort of trying to make the scene creepier than it was. But that's what I'm saying. Maybe he did that on purpose. Maybe, like, the script is not pulling this terror off. Maybe I need to do something with the camera to make it scarier. Because mm -hmm. they did a scene, like, one of the poker scenes, where they guess what cards are going to come yeah. out. And that was way more sinister and, and freaky than... But the... a little bit of that was the directing, too. Yeah. Like, I think he was trying to compensate for weaknesses in the script. And a good director can do that. And he did it to some extent. Yeah. yeah. Well, and there's moments in this. It, I mean, I didn't care for it, but there were moments. Yeah, and that's that's Frakes. He's a great director. There's a reason they picked him to direct two movies because mm -hmm. he's he's good. He's a good director. And there's a reason he still is working as a director. Mm -hmm. Is he? That's good. I believe he is. Yeah, good. I last I heard from him, apart from seeing him at a, at a con appearance, he he was being on the um, he was doing the um, alien autopsy shows. And it was like, oh come <laughs> yeah, on, you can yeah, do better I, than I remember that. that. Yeah, I'm like come on, dude, you can do better than that. All right, uh, you have a quote for us, Matt. Uh, I do. I feel like I should play that seven or eight times. just uh... <laughs> yeah, that, Then you'll know my pain. Or just yeah. put in a whole bunch of really explosions. Good. Our pain. I watched it twice in the same day. Mm -hmm. I'm the most pain of all. <laughs> all right. And then the Enterprise exploded. Did it? Huh. 
All right, so that that is all for episodes. We have some big fucking news for you guys. Yeah, settle this, in. This this blew us the fuck away. Okay, last year we were at the Emerald City Comic Con mm-hmm. here in Seattle, and uh, we, at our own expense, well, actually mostly at the expense of people we raised funds from, a little bit out of our pockets, but mostly from the generous listeners giving us money, we rented a room and put on a little live show. You guys heard that as episode, I don't remember off the top of my head, 70-something. It was Pen Pals and Q-Who. Yeah. Um, and that was nice, but it was mostly our friends. We had a few strangers in, but it was mostly just getting up in front of our friends and, and doing a show with mics and, you know, hearing our voices. And it was, you know, good energy, good show. Mm-hmm. We had applied to do a proper panel last year, and they said, eh, we, we don't know who you are. No. Well, that's fine. We did it again this year. We applied just just on a on a goof almost. Just a, a you know what? Let's just keep asking. Maybe maybe they'll say yes. Well, they did. Guess what? I believe some of it had to do with the with the fair amount of press we got last year uh, with the the little puppet shows we did with the the, the Neil uh, Gaiman the and Neil Alan and Moore Alan stuff. Yeah, um, which you know was just sort of a goof thing that we did. But uh, Comics Alliance and uh, uh, Topless, Topless Robot, Robot and a bunch, of, bunch of other websites picked us up and talked about us. And I think we were able to parlay that and say, hey, look, we have some legitimate press on the internet. What do you think? Give us a panel. And I think looking, I'm guessing, I don't know, but looking at that, looking at the fact that we're up to episode 113, seeing that we're obviously serious about this, maybe they even listen to the show. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But they, nice. said, they said yes, approved, granted, big rubber stamp. And we just said, uh, what? Oh, shit. So, officially con-sanctioned in, in the program, on the website, it will say, come see the post-atomic horror. Uh, if you were at Emerald City Comic Con, if you were considering going and you were a fan of this show, please, please go. Sunday of that weekend, Sunday, March 3rd, in room 2AB, I think it is? 2-something. The information's all over our website. I don't remember off the top of my head. Uh, it's at 2 o'clock. We are doing an hour-long panel. We will be doing an episode of this show in front of whoever we can get in that room. We're going to be putting the word out on the con floor. We're, we're going to, you know, and try our best to fill that room up, and it'll be official. It'll be, a, like, officially in front of an audience. Yep. I just, ah, wow. This is This is a big deal for us, guys. Yeah. We would very much like to see you there. And if you can't be there, we will, we will obviously record the audio. Hopefully we'll take some video. And you can see the show. You will have access to it. Yes. You can see the biggest thing to happen to us so far, mm-hmm. which is exciting. We were originally planning to do um, the first two episodes of season six, which are Time Zero and uh, uh, Realm of Fear. Uh, another one? No, no. This was, I remember, because Time Zero Part Two, I hate. Yeah. And Realm of Fear is Barkley and Transporter Monsters, which I'm not terribly fond of either. Right. I really don't want to give a potential new audience the idea that we don't like Star Trek. Yeah. Particularly me. <laughs> because you like Barkley, you might have liked that episode. And it's that possible. That would have made me look worse because, oh, well, it's the one guy that likes Star Trek and the one guy that hates it. Well, I mean, look, if, you have, if ever that happens, you can just point out how much I don't like Gene Roddenberry. They'll yeah, turn on me like that. I don't want to do that. I want <laughs> them to see what we do. I want them to see... Here, Matt, have some wolves. <laughs> <laughs> then they won't invite us back. That, That's true. that con is the one that descended into a wolf frenzy. They, <laughs> it's like a you know, wolf con. They they don't ask wolf people back. That's not a thing <laughs> they do. But instead, we switched it up um, so that we'll be doing the last two episodes of season five, 
which is Time Zero Part One, which I actually liked, and um, The Inner Light, which is widely acknowledged as one of the show's best episodes, mm. which is good. We get to talk about some good stuff, and we can still make jokes, and, you know, like, people get to see what we're really doing, and that's yeah. that's a big deal. So, again, we'll be doing that. Um, we are really, really looking forward to that, and we hope you guys are, too. And uh, that is all. Any further business? The Enterprise exploded. Oh, man. Mike's <laughs> tripping. All right, folks. That is all. And Matt is now going to tell you what you can do, folks. You can see yourselves. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham, copyright 2012. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.